Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth, episode 53. It's episode 53, man. Welcome to the show. We got a nice, compact show today. This is great. On the show, my guests are The Midnight, and The Midnight are awesome. There's this EP out. Every song is good. We're going to listen to all of them and talk about them. It was actually a recommendation from one of the listeners of the show. They said, you should have The Midnight on. And I'm like, okay. And I went and listened. And I'm like, holy fuck, yes, I should. <laughs> and uh, and it actually worked out. It was real fast, uh, facilitated by a listener of the show, which is cool. So if you're a listener and you heard some cool artists and you want them to be on the show, fucking tweet at them. Tweet at me and say you should have them on the show, and if they want to be, then it uh, it just syncs up beautifully, and it saves me time from doing the work myself, which is always a plus, because I'd rather not do any work myself. Beyond Synth is on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that is on Power85, power85.com. You can follow Power85 on Twitter, that is at Power85. 8 p.m.'s, 8 p.m.'s... <laughs> 8 p.m. Thursday nights. Okay? Eastern Standard Time. Eastern... Fuck! Jeez. <laughs> Alright. Listen. Let's listen to a song. We'll get through this. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be one of those shows. Uh, here's a cool track from Dance with the Dead. It's a nice short one. Cinematic track. This is from their new album, The Shape. And this is the, the intro song. It's simple and dramatic and awesome. And this is... There's a storm coming by Dance with a Dead.
that was Dance with the Dead with the track There's a Storm Coming. Super cool track. And uh, if you like Dance with the Dead like I do, because I play them a lot on the show, they're coming up in uh, the next few weeks. I had a cool chat with them, and that's going to be coming up in a few weeks' time. And we go through their catalog and uh, they're cool guys. So look forward to that show. Now, what the fuck was I saying before I started playing that? Right, Beyond Synth is on at 8 p.m. Easterns on Power 85. So usually I post a reminder on my Twitter, and then you can tune in to the show. And when we play it live, there's a chat going. There's lots of people uh, chatting. There's a dude in there the other day who was there for the first time who was like, oh, this is cool because, like, you know, a lot of the times the guests, if they're in the same time zone, they, like, show up to the chat, too, you know? And so he was surprised to see, you know, Celerac Deli Dreams in the chat, you know? And, uh, and that's the way it works, you know? The guests don't always show up, but sometimes they do. I do, but no one cares if I'm there. And uh, if you like the cool synth music, don't forget to tune in to Project Friday, which is every Friday night hosted by Steve Gilson. It's a cool playlist of awesome synth music. He scours the globe looking for cool music, and he plays it on his show. And I also do that here, but we also do a lot of talking on this show, so sometimes that's not everybody's bag. I'm terrible at supporting my own program, because whenever I... (laughs) Whenever I talk about it in the show, like, you should tune into my show, I always sell it like you're not going to like it, which is not the way I should do it. I should be like one of those bold, confident people, you know, just like tune into Beyond Synth because it's fucking awesome and you're going to like it. So shut up. Uh, Did I say we got the midnight coming up? We do. And uh, we had a great chat, actually. And, uh, of course, it devolved into a lot of nerdy things, Star Wars and James Bond. But, uh, dude, if you haven't checked out their tracks, I mean, you're going to hear them all today. But go out and support it because it's it's really good, uh, really good stuff. And also, we're starting the... um, I mentioned it many, many episodes ago. If you want guests on the show, okay, you listen to the show and you're always asking me, hey, have so-and-so on the show, blah, blah, blah. A lot of times, some of those people don't want to do the show. But... Maybe you can help out as fans of the show to encourage them. You know, maybe they just, they don't know about it or whatever. So I'm starting my Tweet at Meech campaign. If you want Mitch Murder on the show, tweet at him and say, Hey, Mitch Murder, you should do Beyond Synth. All right? I don't even know if his English is that great, to be honest with you. I'm assuming it is. They're they're clever over there, where he lives, wherever that is. And uh, so so I'm starting the, the Tweet at Meech campaign, right? So here's what you do. You tweet at Meech. That's Mitch Murder. I forget his Twitter handle, but if you're a fan of this show, you're probably already a fan of Mitch Murder. And just say, hey, twi- uh, tw- fucking tweet. <laughs> yeah, and maybe we should start a campaign to replace the host of this show. <laughs> All right, listen. Speaking of listening, let's listen to a track, okay? We're going to listen to a little track called Arise, and this is by Valkyrie1984, featuring Gullfire. I think I'm saying that correctly. And this is from the Ghost in the Machine album, Episode 2. This is uh, an album that's in a series. There was another Ghost in the Machine album, which was uh, Valkyrie1984 and Kirk Gadget. And uh, I believe they were actually listed as, like, every song was by Valkyrie1984 and Kirk Gadget. However, on the new one, it looks like they're separating and they're doing their individual tracks. And this is one called Arise.
And that was Arise by Valkyrie1984 featuring Gullfire from Ghost in the Machine, Episode 2. That's a cool track. I will have Valkyrie1984 on the show sometime. He lives in my city, so it only makes sense that we should probably hang out and record a chat, and so we're going to do that. Now, I told you, this show is really, really compact, so I'm not going to fuck around here. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to go and do what I got to do. So we are going to open the mail sack. All right, and this is the mail sack, everyone's favorite uh, mail thing. <laughs> Listeners send in mail, and I'm going to read some now. So this is a message from Arjen, and Arjen says, I think I'm saying that correctly. I hope I am. Arjen, I think you've written into the show before, right? Sure you have. He says, okay, uh, I should preface this because I'm going to be doing like an arcade review series on the show. I keep talking about it and I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to uh, play old arcade games and like do reviews and stuff. And Arjen says, I have two mail sack brawler recommendations for you and your son. Dungeons and Dragons Chronicles of Mistara Collection by Capcom and Double Dragon Neo. I've been playing both recently with my son, he is four, and had a great time. The soundtrack for Double Dragon Neo is by Jake Kaufman, is amazing as well. And uh, he posts the link to the Mango Tango track off the Double Dragon album. And then he says Dungeons & Dragons was a PlayStation Plus game at some point, so you might already have it in your collection. Greetings, Arjen. Well, guess what, Arjen? I'm way fucking ahead of you, buddy. So... I completely agree with you. And yes, I do have them on PlayStation because it was PlayStation Plus, but I did play them years ago when I went through and it had like a crazy MAME, and by MAME, by multiple arcade machine emulator. When I discovered it and when I discovered those games, they're really cool arcade brawlers because they're more detailed. You can, uh, you have like an inventory system and stuff, and the graphics are great, and there's uh, like six characters you can be, and they're really cool games. So yes, I will... Once I start playing the arcade games and doing reviews, I, I think I'm actually going to avoid uh, the games that are typically really good because I kind of want to find hidden gems. But obviously, I'm going to enjoy myself a lot more if I actually play good ones. And these ones are great. And Double Dragon, like the new one, I really liked. And I really like the soundtrack. And um, I've actually covered <laughs> that exact song that you sent in before. In season one of Beyond Synth, I did an episode with Sunglasses Kid and Hoo-Ha where we were talking about some of our favorite tracks, and this was the track I mentioned. And I reached out to Jay Kaufman to be on the show, and I don't think he cared about that too much, but he did give me permission to play the song, and I did. And it's a great song. And I think Jay Kaufman is another guy I'm going to hound uh, in the future to be on the show, and maybe he probably doesn't want to do it. No one actually wants to do it. It's a stupid show. I mean, I've... Again, here I am, great at selling my own program. But yes, Arjen, thank you for your email, and I totally agree with you. Those are both excellent picks. And now, let's listen to a song. And I'm going to preface this. <laughs> Sometimes people send me tracks. I really want to support them. I really appreciate what they're doing, but it's tricky. And the two genres that are really tricky for me are horror music and ambient music. The reason being, those are just tricky songs to play in a sh in like a music show environment. You know, like we're sitting there having fun banter and and uh, you know doing fun segments and stuff. 
then to cut to like a six minute song like an ambient song where it's like yeah man this is a fucking great show and now here's six minutes of the same three notes uh, <laughs> played really slowly you know on some uh, some synth pads like that music's great I like ambient music I think it's great to work to but it's just difficult to play on the show and horror music is another one where I you know I want to support it you know horror synth music soundtracks and stuff but it's tricky for me because sometimes they're just difficult to play on the show so I'm gonna play one now (laughs) this is a great set I'm so sorry I'm gonna play a track uh, by a dude called werewolves in Siberia sort of in the same vein as like your protector 101s you know it's like kind of it's horror it's like a horror soundtrack and this is a track called the dead house and credits theme off the dead house album
And that was Werewolves in Siberia with The Dead House and Credits Theme. Look, it's a cool song. Uh, Definitely check this guy out, Werewolves in Siberia, if you like that sort of horror kind of soundtrack stuff. It's really cool. Again, I probably apologize. I apologize, dude, for the way I set up that track. (laughs) I I really do. I think it's cool music, and I think you should support it. I just want to make it clear that, you know, if people send me this sort of music, I do listen to it, and I just always go, ah, like, it's so tricky to play in a show, even though I'm listening going, this is really cool music, and it should be, you know, people should listen to it. What else should people listen to? Oh, how about this? A lot of you guys, you get junk emails, okay? You get them. We all get them. And you just fucking throw them away. You delete them. You delete your junk emails with all the amazing creativity that goes into these fucking things. And you're like, fuck you, junk. Well, uh, not me, man. Not on my watch. I like to read my junk emails. And the little segment we like to call Andy Reads His Fucking Junk Emails. This email is titled, My Good Friend. My name is Henry Addo. I am a newly promoted branch manager of a bank here in Ghana, West Africa. I feel not quite safe discussing this business with you uh, through this internet method. Why? Because this transaction is very important business and must be treated confidential. Though using this medium of internet has been greatly abused, I still chose to reach you through it because it still remains the fastest medium of communication. I got your information during my search through the internet. So what I love about this is, you know, a lot of times in these junk emails, they will actually name where they work and then give it the initials so that it sounds official. You know, they'll be like, we're from the, you know, the National Bank of Fuckheads. And then it's like the NBFH or whatever, you know. And uh, what I love about this one is that he doesn't even bother. He's just like, "Ah, I just work at a bank, you know. It's in Ghana. It may interest you to hear that I am a man of peace. And... Okay. It may interest you to hear that I am a man of peace and don't want problems. I only hope we can assist each other. If you don't want this business offer, kindly forget it, as I will not contact you again. I have packaged a financial transaction that will benefit both of us. As the branch manager of the bank, it is my duty to send in a financial report to my head office in the capital city, Accra, at the end of each year. In the course of last year, 2015, end-of-year report, I discovered that my branch, in which I am the manager, made excess profit of $7,500,000, which my head office are not aware of and will never be aware of, because because what bank keeps track of its money? (laughs) I have since planned this fund in a sundry account. As an officer of the bank, I cannot be directly linked to this money. So this informed my contacting you for us to work together so that you can assist me and receive this fund into your bank account in your country for us to share. I am offering you 40% of the total fund while you keep 60% for me in your bank account until I join you in your country for the sharing investment of my own share of the funds. Or better still, we can go into a joint partnership venture. I will appreciate it very much. (laughs) Who does... (laughs) 
I just love the idea of approaching a complete stranger after saying at the beginning of the email that you can't trust finding information on the internet, but it's I've only you're only doing it because it's the fastest way to contact somebody, and you found this guy's name randomly on the internet, and then you're willing to share seven and a half million U.S. dollars, and then be like, hey, we could also be partners, like. <laughs> And please do treat this information as top secret, as I can't afford to lose my job with the bank. We shall go over the details once I receive your urgent response. Thanks for your understanding. I will be waiting for your response. Sincerely, Henry Addo. I like Henry Addo. He sounds sincere. This actually email has pretty good English, which is a huge surprise because most of the time they're written in fucking jumbled nonsense. But I'm going to tell you, and this is really important. I'm not doing the show anymore. I didn't want to tell you guys this way, but the fact of the matter is, I have $7.5 million US in a sundry account at an unnamed bank in Ghana, and I'm going to fucking take the chance, man, because I don't know about you guys, but I am a fucking venture capitalist, and when some stranger emails me from across the world with a business opportunity I like this, I can't refuse. So fuck Beyond Synth, and fuck you people. In the meantime, let's listen to a great track by a cool guy called Dan Terminus, and this is Photon Carnage.
And that was Photon Carnage by Dan Terminus of the Stratospheric Canon Symphony Sympath Fuck. <laughs> the Stratospheric Canon Symphony album, which is super cool. And if you dig Dan Terminus, uh, go back a few episodes. He was on the show and we had a lot of fun. He's from France. And uh, I don't know why I needed to preface that. <laughs> But we had a good time. I should have him back on the show sometime because he's super talented and I dig his music. So we got The Midnight coming up very soon and I think we'll listen to one more track. And this is a track by a dude called Pilot Priest. And I've never played Pilot Priest on the show before, but he is one of my like all-time favorite artists, makes amazing fucking music, and I was lucky enough to have a chat with him, and we're going to air that in a few weeks, because he also lives in my city, but has like a dual life between uh, Toronto and LA, because he has a uh, budding film career, and he's uh, a super talented dude. And here is the track, Rumblefish, by Pilot Priest.
And that was Pilot Priest with the track Rumblefish off the original motion picture soundtrack. And if you haven't heard this album, original motion picture soundtrack, do yourself a favor, follow the fucking links on my SoundCloud page and check it out. There's like 30 songs on it and it's really great. It's one of my favorites. When I discovered that album, I was like blown away by just A, how great the music was and that there was just so much of it. Uh, it's really, really cool stuff. So check it out and... What else is there to say? Nothing. Let's now go to my interview with The Midnight. This is a a great talk, and these dudes are super talented, and you are going to love it. So here they are. Here is my chat with The Midnight. All right, so let's fucking do this here. And you can swear, uh, you know, if you like. I swear a lot, so that's just... Great. Cool. Yeah. Love it. This is fun already. All right. So... What's going on? Someone being murdered? Oh, here. It's just, <laughs> just just New York. Uh, it's, yeah, I was going to say. It's actually pretty constant. It's hard to find, uh, you know, even a 45-second window to uh, for silence for recording. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, hear, you'll hear that siren throughout the interview. <laughs> it's, it, if you listen closely, it's featured on every single song on Days of Thunder. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's a trademark. All right, and I am here with The Midnight, which is... Tyler and Tim. How do you, uh, Tyler? How do you say your last name? Is that your real last name? Tyler Lyle. Yes, L Y L E. Yeah. Tyler Lyle. There's sort of a flow to that name. Yes, it's phonetically weird. Tyler Lyle. Yeah. If you're in the South, it's Tyler Lyle. So, I don't know. yeah, it's a weird <laughs> name. <laughs> and of course, uh, uh, Tim. How do you say your last name? McEwen. McEwen. Yeah, it's uh, it's Scottish. Explain your background, Tim. I'm from Denmark originally. I, I'm born and raised in Denmark. My dad is um, Scottish, but moved to Denmark like 45 years ago or something. So he's been there for a while. So I'm born and raised in Denmark. So that's why the Scottish last name. But um, I live in Los Angeles. I lived in England for a while. This is why my accent is all messed up. <laughs> when we first started talking, because like I don't actually know too much about you guys. And so I was trying to place your accent. And I'm just like, what? I, I yeah. wasn't expecting you to sound like that. <laughs> So, uh, that's I don't it. even know where I'm from anymore. I'm like, what? <laughs> but I live in Los Angeles, and that's where me and Tyler met. Um, but he lives in New York now because uh, he was in LA at the time, with almost four years ago. So why did you leave? I got married. My wife uh, got a job in New York, and I thought, well, yeah, I'll just go with her. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss LA. LA's great. I lived there for about four and a half years. So where were you from originally? Originally, I'm from uh, the outer suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. So how are you feeling about uh, the weather then? You've had quite a, a little shift. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty shitty. Uh, not as shitty as uh, as Toronto right now, though, it seems. You guys <laughs> have, it, have it a little bit worse. Last winter was, was atrocious and horrible, and that was my first winter in outside of Southern California for a while, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very bitter uh, about everything, uh, but I feel better now. Uh, the winter has been kind of a slow go this time, and uh, and I've, I've been I've been much happier. So, talk to me then about the midnight. So, you guys met in L.A. Why did you meet? You gonna take this one, Tim? Well, it was a publisher that set us up for a session because we're both songwriters and, and and we produce and write for other artists as well as 
uh, well, Tyler has always been an artist and, and put out stuff under his own name and written for other artists. And uh, I have been producing for and writing for other artists for a long time as well. So we, we were set up as a just kind of a regular session to write for someone else. Um, and then I, I remember Googling his name right before the session. I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. And I love the lyrics and this is great. So went down and we just clicked. And um, I remember just started playing some chords on the piano and he was like I like that and then within probably 10 minutes he had written uh, the verses for the first two verses for We Move Forward which is one of the songs on the album so that's kind of what started our our I mean we didn't know it was going to be the midnight at that time this is like almost four years ago um, so that's kind of what started our relationship and we became good friends and yeah it just it was just uh, there was a chemistry in the studio and um, we were both at a point I think where you're we like let's just kind of not write for anyone specific let's just write what feels good and that looking back probably was because we we had um, we had the midnight to do you know it was um, it was out there in the ether waiting for us to to do it so what was going on for those four years then so we met yeah that's like 2012 uh like around may i think it was mm-hmm. um and i was over here from denmark i was gonna move here but i was here for three months on like a it's called a tourist visa uh so i didn't have my sort of my visa so i could legally work and live in this country and make money so i was just here on you know quote unquote holiday so obviously i was having sessions and stuff that's where we met and then i went home uh around the summer like june i think for about i think i was home for about four months three or four months uh waiting for my visa to go through so i finally went through and i came back and like october i think it was 2012 and then then i was sort of back and i was busy working for you know writing for other people and so that was before we even knew that we were going to do something called the midnight it was going to be kind of 80s synth wave and uh, that's why the we move forward actually sounds a little bit more progressive house and slightly more i guess you could not i wouldn't call it hard but like the drums are a little bit more slightly more car i tried to add some 80s elements to the drums Uh, but that's why that sounds a little bit more housey than maybe the other songs do. And then it was really, we loved writing together, but we didn't know what we were writing for until I think it took maybe, I think we did Gloria. This was also the, one of the, like, the second session we had. Um, we did Gloria. We did the, the chorus for Gloria. It was like an idea that Tyler had. And he had the, I just changed the chords and kind of tweaked the, the melody a little bit. And then that was like a chorus. We were like, we don't know what the fuck this is for, but we like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like a year, maybe like a year or I think it was about a year later, we wrote the verses or he wrote the verses and kind of I built the track and we're like, this is awesome. What is this? We don't really know. And that's where the kind of 80s synthy synth wave kind of retro feel started to take shape. Um, Sorry, my dogs are playing in the back. We've got a little puppy here. She's uh, <laughs> she's crazy at the moment. Blue, chill out. All right, bro. <laughs> well, she listened. That's cool. Uh, well, how about uh, how about we uh, we listen to a track now? You've got this great EP out. It's called uh, Days of Thunder. Every track is good, so we're just gonna fucking work our way through it uh, because it's it's a good time. So uh, this is uh, this is uh, the first one. This track's cool. It's called "The Years," and then in brackets, prologue.
that was The Years by The Midnight. And I'm, uh, I'm back with The Midnight here. We're just sitting around talking, Tyler and Tim. So talk to me a bit about that track, because it is cool. I'll let you take that one, Tyler. Mm. Did we start with, with lyrics, or did we start... You had a track, right, Tim? Yeah, I think the chord progression and the little, uh, sort of like... A, it's almost like a Japanese... Or like the uh, the bagpipey kind of yeah yeah I had I had like a rough idea and then basically I played for Tyler and, and you you basically took it and run with it yeah it's uh, it's kind of a weird song that's why we call it the prologue there's no real chorus it's just kind of an AAA format but yeah I mean really it's it's a, a song about my wife we um, we moved in together in Santa Monica and I guess 2000. 2012 2012 and um, and uh, a lot of the lyrical content is, is just sort of about us meeting and uh, yeah that's where that came from well that's cute so who does the singing yeah that's me that's Tyler okay okay so what what exactly is that so you're writing together then mm-hmm. once you start actually producing the songs what is the collaborative process like what are you both bringing to it Tim is is the producer and I am generally um, the the, the writer and, and singer. So Tim, what 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 sort of magic do you uh, do you perform? I just press record and push put a lot of audio to it, and then I go and drink coffee, and, go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and then I download a bunch of loops. That's how I roll, bitches. <laughs> um, um, I think of. I mean, I'm I'm such a like horrible perfectionist, and I kind of it's like a gift and a curse, I guess. It's like. I Tyler is so amazing and he's so like he writes so naturally and 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 also very fast so I'll that's what's so fun about it I can just play four chords and he's like oh I like that and then I'll just sit and look on Instagram and then five minutes later he's got an amazing verse and a great idea for a chorus and it's like great let's record it it's very easy so how we generally work is we'll do it you know it's harder to get in the room when he lives in New York and I'm in LA at the moment but um, how we do it whenever he comes over here and when he used to live in LA is I would just kind of play something rough and then he would um, he would write to it and we would record it and then I would take it and work on the tracks for forever and ever and ever mm-hmm. but uh, it's uh, that's kind of how I and also that's how I like to work in the sense that I generally like sometimes I'll send him a little like an early version of a track like oh what do you think about this idea and it won't be very fleshed out it could it could just be like 16 bars or it could be just a loop with a few synths and but just could it like the vibe is there and he like if he feels it and uh he's he's down then then we take it and and you know he'll write to it and i might have a few ideas for melodies or tweaks and stuff but really that the way i like is we record the vocals and i get to kind of play with it it's easier for me for me to to see where the song should go once I have the song and once I have his vocals and I sort of then I know how to wrap it what kind of what kind of clothes to give it if that makes sense <laughs> that's a wonderful metaphor <laughs> yeah. how, how, how is the uh, your your distance now that you are 
spread across the country here. How has that affected the the way you guys work? It's Tim sending me passive aggressive text messages about when I'm coming to LA, <laughs> and me and me sending passive aggressive text messages about when he's going to finish the production. <laughs> exactly. That's that's basically our life. You know, and I, the other day I sent him this idea, and I was like. So we should record the final vocals for this song or whatever. He's like, I will when you finish the tracks. <laughs> I was like, oh, super burn. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I, I mean, uh, to get the final vocals, we'll, we'll want to be together. But, um, you know, we're, we've, we've done one day where we've written over uh, FaceTime, and, and that was pretty good. I think we can do it again. True, true. And the way we worked before when you lived here, I mean, it wasn't like we were in the studio two no. days a week. It was like once every two months or whatever, because we're, we're both busy and I, I generally producing is maybe just inherently slightly more time consuming than not than writing per se, but, <laughs> but, 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 than our writing for sure. <laughs> our writing for sure. It's a, it's that kind of thing where, when you're producing for pop records, it's a lot about sort of sitting there and going through sounds and uh, and and just you know I'll spend a whole day going through finding one element just to find that sound that gives me an inspiration to kind of know where to take the track or whatever. So generally, for me anyway, it, it's a it's a time-consuming thing. So producing a whole EP that's just six songs, it's about finding doing making all the mistakes that leads you to the final product that that are those six songs and that is for me quite time consuming so it was always a case of like oh i've got some time uh, you know on saturday let's uh, and then you know whenever tyler could come in and we'd just do maybe three or four hours and then um, and then we'd actually have like a couple of songs and then and then we'll record maybe some rough vocals that might end up being the final vocals that we'd use in the song, or we'd just be like, oh, this is a rough one, we'll do, we'll finish it off uh, in a couple of weeks when we have time. And then I would still need to work on the tracks and stuff. So, yeah, so it actually isn't a huge difference, Tyler living in New York and me here in LA. It's uh, just a case of having to be a little, you have to plan it a little bit more. You can't just. You can't just do it, you know. So then before, when you guys had this sort of place, were you meeting up at each other's places or did you have like a central kind of studio location that... I mean, for, for essentially like recording vocals and stuff like that. Yeah, we, we mainly uh, recorded at Tim's place in, in North Hollywood. Once or twice we did a session at my place on the west side. But uh, yes, Tim has a very nice studio. So then now that you're in New York... Mm-hmm. You had to set up a studio for yourself here that's that's comparable or I have an SM7 microphone and an Apollo twin uh, audio interface so that's 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 all I that's bare bones all I need so we're, okay, okay I want to talk about this because for the podcast I'm always like looking for different uh, microphones to use yeah and um, I got and I returned it and I and I maybe this will sound like sacrilege but I did get the SM7B all right Mm-hmm. And everyone says it's the fucking best mic ever made and Michael Jackson and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That's the selling point of that microphone. So what is up with that fucking microphone? Because like, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a dynamic microphone. <laughs> but it requires so much preamp. Yeah, that's true. And uh, so it's there's like this hidden cost with it. Like I don't have like a huge budget for recording. And uh, it sort of frustrated me a bit that I, I had to pay like, you know, I'm in Canada, right? So it was like, you know, like 500 bucks. Uh, for the mic is over like 450 or something and then uh, and then on top of that it's like you literally don't get a signal unless there's a preamp and then that preamp has to be a good preamp or else you're going to be pulling up a lot of fucking just sound and noise 
And so uh, I got frustrated with it, and I said, "Fuck you!" I bought this. I said, "Fuck you" to a microphone, and I bought this. Um, <laughs> I'm a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and I got a I got a channel strip, and I and, and I was spending so much time fiddling with the channel strip and how much boost I was going to put in it that I just ended up plugging in my old microphone. Mm-hmm. And since I had done all this work uh, <laughs> setting up the channel strip, I was like, yeah, this sounds just as good to me. And uh, what I, I did love how like the SM7 was really good at um, isolating the actual sound of your voice and pulling, you know, like it didn't capture a lot of room noise and stuff. Right. But uh, it frustrated me with that whole preamp business. Yeah, it's a dynamic mic. It, it's good for certain things and less so for other things. Um, I, I really like it. I recorded uh, uh, the last couple albums on uh, on an SM7 just because it, it does pretty well with my voice. But it's a, uh, my voice it tends to be more dynamic. And so I like the SM7. I do understand what you mean about having to boost it, but it is not a condenser. It's a dynamic, so it needs extra love. Yeah, I also don't really know anything about recordings. So. <laughs> 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 well, listen, talking about uh, wonderful vocals here, let's listen to the track Gloria, and then we'll talk about it. So this is Gloria by the Midnight.
And that was Gloria by The Midnight. And I'm uh, still joined by The Midnight here. That is uh, Tim and Tyler. So talk to me about this track, man. It's good. It's got a catchy hook. Who is Gloria? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, We don't know. A lot of my ideas. So I I, I have a, a process. Every day I write three pages of just nonsense into a book. And, uh, and after a while, that accumulates. And, and whenever I get in the room with Tim, invariably, I open this book and try and find uh, a rhyme somewhere in it. And that was the case with Gloria. Uh, oh, Gloria, I feel so much better. It's not the drugs and it's not the weather. I just feel so much better today. And I thought that that was silly. And uh, so we ran with that. Well, it's a good track. We should talk, I guess, about your vocals now because they're very good. Oh. Uh, you got a good voice. Uh, it's nice and clean and, and clear. And... Uh, it helps the, the catchy hooks. I'm not really uh, very good at uh, using musical jargon to describe things I like. I usually just okay. say, I like them. But, cool. uh, you know, because people were sending me tweets, they're saying like, oh, have the midnight on. Oh, that's cool. I, that's not the first time that's happened, because I think even Arcade High told me that, like, last year. He's like, you got to listen to the midnight. I'm like, all right, fine. Cool. And then I did, and I was like, oh, shit, like, this is fucking really good. Like, uh, the, the production's really good, and the vocals are really good, and they're catchy songs. Like I said before, like, this Days of Thunder EP, it's like... Uh, you know, it's it's all good. That's good to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Do you do vocal exercises? <laughs> um, I do when I'm on tour because it, it puts just a very specific kind of strain on your voice. But usually, no, I, I should be doing vocal exercises every day, but I don't. You knew that thing that uh, Andy Circus did when he played Gollum, where he had to like drink honey all day or like warmed up honey solution to uh, help your throat. Yeah, that was on that was on the rider for the last tour. Throat throat coat. I drank it every night. Was that an actual thing? Yeah. Throat coat? It's an herbal tea. Uh, It's got some stuff in it that I don't know what it is, but it it works. It makes your voice a little bit bit better. It's, um, I don't know, it's healthy. It's good. Does it actually help you if you don't need it? Like, is it something you have to take because you're straining your voice? Or if you were about to sing, would you, like, take a glass of it? And I think of singing like um, my the ability to get to my lowest note and to my highest note. If, if I have a little bit of extra room on the bottom or the top end of that, uh, then, I, then I have a little bit more flexibility. And I would say that that's what it, it does. So it's not like I'm sick, I need it. It's, it's more like it just, just kind of helps round out the, the, the voice. And then you slowly start to realize that you've become addicted to it <laughs> well there are a lot of other real drugs that singers get addicted to uh, that, 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 that help uh, that help do that so uh so you know un- until you start taking the uh oh gosh i've forgotten the name now uh but yes i was on tour with the singer who who had graduated from throat coat to uh, <laughs> use, use steroids so well, there's not nothing quite like the improvement you can get in your vocals by uh, smoking crack. <laughs> here, here. That's a that's a true story. <laughs> so, when you say you're going on tour, I mean, what is what are you doing? Who's this with? So, Tim and I are both professional musicians. I uh, am a sort of a singer, songwriter, folk guy naturally. When I was in LA, I wrote a lot more pop songs for my publishing company. But yeah, I'm like an alt country Americana singer songwriter kind of dude and uh, I released an album last year called The Native Genius of Desert Plants and I, I toured for about six months on it and now I'm I'm back in the uh, in, in the bedroom writing more songs so so how do you I mean when you're saying you're jotting stuff into your book is that uh, stuff that's just 
general things that might go in either direction as far as like your musical projects? Yes. Yeah. There are, uh, you know, there are a couple kind of projects that I, that I work on. Uh, the Midnight being one of them. The Midnight's kind of a special way of writing songs. It's very visual. Instead of telling a narrative, like I, I try to in some of my other songs that are a little more uh, like alt country leaning, um, The Midnight is, is just an, uh, an excuse for me to kind of get into uh, visceral images. How about you? Uh, how about you, Tim? How? How? What? What? What do you mean? Uh, just how you doing? No. Uh, what's how, a, yeah. <laughs> what's <up? laughs> no? Say, uh, same question because uh, you guys both have these sort of like kind of side things going on, or this is the side thing to your main thing going on. So t- yeah, talk to me about what you do. Totally. Now I know what you mean. Um, I so really this is kind of this is what I would love to be my main thing. You know, what pays my bills is is uh, kind of writing and producing for other people, for, you know, pop artists and stuff, which I love. I'm a huge... Uh, I, mean, I listen to all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, uh, but I've always had a, an affinity for 80s music and grew up listening to Phil Collins and Toto is one, one of my favorite bands and Police and all that stuff, Michael McDonald. And, but I also grew up listening to James Taylor and Pat Metheny and <laughs> Raged Against the Machine and black street and so i'm i'm really i don't really have any genre i don't like to listen to um but this is the midnight is definitely where i feel i can completely be myself and be free and kind of not you know all the things you can't get away with when you're producing a a jason derulo record you can do that i can do that with a midnight so that was really my my mantra i had to really with this first ep I had to really, every time I was like, ooh, is that too much? I was like, you know what? Every time I think, every time I'm thinking, is that too over the top? Then I'm going to add 50% more of yeah. whatever it is I'm doing. That was my key. I wanted, just, I wanted it to also be very clear about what it was. And that's maybe going back to your, your previous questions about how, what were you doing for four years since you met four years ago? That kind of, uh, uh, it took a it took a few years just to kind of we had a few songs and we kept writing new things and it was really it took a while for me to figure out how do I what is this how do I package this thing that we are and then we it, we only found the name uh, right before we put out the EP I think um, so it took a while to just you know for everything to come together and all the elements to really come together and, and uh, that we both knew uh, what it was and I kind of knew how to produce the songs and and what what it was uh so yeah so that's why why i love this i would love to do that full time i still love producing pop records uh and all that stuff and um but uh you know i would love this to be my main thing well that's uh, what i love about the 80s sound uh is is just that there's no irony and you can and so so there's this level where That's I mean true. when I when I use the word cheesy I don't actually use that as a negative because some no. things to me can be they're cheesy awesome like that's oh, my, yeah. my sort of my metric and that's what I always love about this sort of this this type of music is just that it's there's just no irony and uh, definitely with you guys it's just this the songs are really sort of they're big and they're bold mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's why I like them it's good stuff to listen to and kind of dance around and shit not, I'm too cool for that. I just sort of sit in a chair, mostly staring forward. But it is it is fucking wicked stuff. Thank you. Let's listen to another track. How about that? Sounds good. Well, we talked about it before. So you were you were mentioning about sort of applying, I guess, uh, sort of synthwave elements to the track. We move forward because it actually sort of started out slightly differently. It started as a, like a more of a house record, uh, and I was like, oh, maybe you know, I should uh, put this out as a 
DJ thing and then featuring Tile Lyle and that's before we knew that we were going to create like a band or whatever or a project called The Midnight so that's why it has a feel of slightly more maybe progressive house um, and uh, so yeah I just tried to apply a few more retro elements to it the, especially the, the kick drum has a bit more of a clicky sound than it did originally and little things like that well let's uh, let's check it out man this is We Move Forward by The Midnight
was we move forward by the midnight and we're still here chatting tim McEwen, tyler lyle talented dudes who have come together to uh <laughs> there he goes fucking i don't know what i'm doing sometimes but that's it <laughs> neither do we join the club yeah so listen you know on on your uh, your band camp page here uh as the description for the album which i'm gonna read because you're telling me what this is about and when why this was uh I don't know if this is your inspiration or whatever, but it says uh, there's a Japanese term, mono, no aware. It means basically the sad beauty of seeing time pass, the aching awareness of impermanence. You have the best trailer voice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so what what was this? Was this something that sort of, was this on your mind during like the writing process? Or was this sort of like, hey, this quote fits nicely with what we've already done? Or? Yeah, it was the second one. This quote fits <laughs> nicely to what we've already done. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those uh, introverted nerd people that, that read a lot of things. And yeah, the, the pathos of things and empathy towards things. That's what mono no aware is. I just read a cool article and it's been in the back of my head. And, and uh, when it was time you know to put the album up and release it i i just wrote that uh, pretty quickly and that was just sort of sitting on the top of my brain at the time but I, I think it's right you know i think that it's it's about nostalgia and it's about seeing the difference between point a and point b and um yeah i think that's what our project's about it fits yeah i think it, it fit it it, uh, it encapsulated it beautifully and tyler's good with these kind of little kind of uh whimsical notions of uh you know like you you'll come up with some poetic little line i was like how do you think of how do you where did this come from but he is a he's a true poet uh, i don't watch tv <laughs> <laughs> just kidding just kidding i do so what are you guys uh, doing on your downtime man a lot of drugs yeah just a lot of crack cocaine a lot of th- a lot of throat coat <laughs> yeah yeah throat coat crack with cocaine, some added crack AKA cocaine throat coat it's good it's good i'm using that yeah what are you doing in your free time tim uh you know what guys this is so embarrassing well it's not embarrassing it's just that it's embarrassing that how how late to the game I am. Um, I'm not a big gamer, and I don't have a PlayStation or whatever. I kind of tend to just like watching other people play because I'm just too lazy. Mm. But I discovered that the Grand Theft Auto games, Vice City, the one that kind of has an 80s look to it that came out, came, came out in like 2002, I think, mm. it exists for the iPhone. And I didn't know this, and this is amazing. So I've been playing this for about a week now, and I'm fucking addicted. How how does it even? How do you control it? It's like uh, invisible. Like when you touch the screen in the left corner, it'll it'll you can kind of maneuver it. You can kind of move it around. It's pretty easy. So am I to understand that in the year 2016, Tim McEwen has just discovered Grand Theft Auto Vice City? Is that the premise? It, that's exactly. Well, I mean, I had a friend. <laughs> I lived in. I lived in England at the time when it came out and my buddy got it and I was like, this is awesome. But I never, well, I was too lazy to figure out the, the controls and like, yeah, how yeah. does this, uh. so I was like, I just like watching it. And then since then, I'm like, oh, I guess that's... You were too lazy to figure out the controls. It's... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just couldn't be bothered. I, I was totally addicted to Vice City when it came out. I was having dream. I had to stop because I was having dreams about Vice City. And I remember, <laughs> I remember seeing... I remember seeing a police car in real life, and my first thought was, do I have any grenades? And then I, <laughs> I need to stop playing this game. 
for everyone sick. Yeah, just whip a jar of throat coat at. Them. <laughs> hey, yeah. How about you, Tyler? What are you What are you doing these days? What do I do? I'm, so my besides my, not flying to LA and recording vocals for me. Yeah, my my wife has a corporate job in Midtown, and she works long hours, and so I'm I'm trying to do this like you know, this songwriting thing. Um, I have a subscription service where I, I write and record uh, three or four songs a month, and reading and and taking little walks when the weather is nice. I really don't have that many. Uh, many hobbies here in new york i go to a movie every now and then. wait oh, hold on what do you mean you have a subscription service and you write and record three songs a month what does that mean uh, it's called the secret layer uh I, it, i've got a band camp tylerlyle.bandcamp.com and uh and I, I put out an ep every month for the year of 2016 so oh, that's cool. that's that's what i'm uh that's what i'm usually working on well, that's cool yeah tim i got a silly question for you since oh, you have this you. sort of this amalgamated accent do you, when you were younger, or when when did you, first of all, like, when did you make the move from Denmark to the States? So I moved in October 2012. I, when I lived, I lived in East London for about four years when mm. it was like 2002 to 2006. So when I came home to Denmark from, after having spent four years in England, in London, I was much more, I sounded like an East End gangster i guess mm. a little bit i still have a little bit of the english but the the r's are rolling a little bit like over here after having spent a few years here i i feel myself the the app the accent is slipping a little bit it's it's becoming what i hate that kind of weird transatlantic kind of Catherine zeta jones madonna it's like <laughs> oh stop it i so i sound like Catherine zeta jones which i'm not proud of <laughs> Well, I always, I always find the evolution of accents really interesting. My dad was from England when he was a kid, and he oh, made okay. and he made a very interesting decision, and it was a conscious decision. It's one of the most sort of eccentric decisions I've heard anyone ever do as a five year old kid to keep his accent. Mm-hmm. Mm. So most people, when they're children, they move to a place and then they just absorb the accent, and that's it. Yeah. But he didn't, and now he's got this really bizarre accent that like. <laughs> People in wow. Canada who meet him think that he has a British accent, but when British people hear it, they, they're just like, they don't, they can't place what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, I would love to keep my, like, try to hold on to my, like, what I have left of the British accent or English or whatever. But I do think there, there are some things you can't really control that much because you're gonna pick up what you hear around you. Mm. And so that's probably why, because when I go to England they're like no you don't have a British accent what are you talking about mm. and you sound American and then then over here they're like are you from New Zealand or are you from Boston and like, like I don't even what's going on so <laughs> it's kind of it's um yeah it can be really confusing but I don't think for me anyway it's I can't really help it it's like just you just hear the the the, the dialects you hear around you and you, you know I pick them up so this is yeah. more this is more fuel for my a uh, complaint about what George Lucas did to the Star Wars, the original films, because he <laughs> made, he made these changes, or obviously famously to the original movies, mm-hmm. and then one of them was they redubbed the voice of Boba Fett to match the actor oh, yeah. who played Jango Fett in the movie, yeah. and the premise is well he's a clone of that guy, but I'm thinking but he was a kid when his dad died, so it, it, it's completely logical that he would grow up and lose. The accent. Yes, that's true. 
And so the fact that 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 was one change that to me it annoyed me and also didn't really make sense because like it's it's completely plausible that someone would grow up and their accent would change if they were no longer in that same environment. Yeah. Plus, I like the original Boba Fett's voice better because it was cooler. Yeah. But that's a that's a thing. So now you've you've just uh, you've given me the the ammunition I need to to further hate a thing that everyone hates anyways. <laughs> wow. Um, well, I am sorry that I added <laughs> hate to your, uh, <laughs> I think there's enough hate in this world. <laughs> oh, maybe I should rephrase that. If you, there's this nerd on the internet who put out HD versions of the original trilogy and, mm-hmm. uh, took painstaking time to remove all the special edition uh, special effects and reinsert the, the original special effects into each shot and stuff cool. like this. And it exists. So if we want to leave this on a positive note, we'll say that... Uh, That's cool, actually. What I'm curious about that. Because I know that Topher Grace did a cut of Oh, yeah, but his, no, his thing doesn't count. Topher Grace's thing was that he... Um, and other, other nerds have done this as well, where they just take the original... Or not the originals, but the prequel trilogy. The prequels, yeah. yeah. And then try and edit somehow a good movie out of them. Mm-hmm. And the thing is this. No matter how hard they try, because I've watched some of these cuts you just you can't like you can't save them like they're mm. they're just not very good and and so See, i come from a different perspective because i i love star wars too i'm a huge fan but i'm not one of those like fans that know everything about everything I, i'm i feel like i'm right in the sweet spot of like geekdom when it comes to star wars and those kind of things because i just love i just love it and i love spending time in that world but i don't I'm not so into it that I'm that I eat, sleep, and 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 dream Star Wars. So I don't know all the specific tiny little facts, and I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not. I, it doesn't give me enough ammunition to hate on on anything because it's just a movie. If I don't like it, then I'll just watch something else. You know, <laughs> um, sacrilege. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I like it. I like spending time with with the prequels. I like some scenes. I like just I like the world. So. It, they're never going to be the originals, the original trilogy, but I still can... If they're on TV, I'll still watch something. I like the Revenge of the Sith as the best one. It's definitely the best one of the of the prequels, I think. And I like, you know, I like most of that movie. Uh, I think my issue is just when, when you have something... Because I'm not one of those... Again, the, the, the originals always exist so you know when remakes of movies come out i'm not one of those guys that complains when like uh, you know robocop remake comes out or something because the original robocop is still there and and so it's like yeah you know this new movie's not going to be great but it's like i can just go back and watch the other one the issue i've always had with star wars basically with george lucas doing the changes is that he's actually denied people the ability to watch the original cuts yeah, which is yeah. and that to me is that's basically the problem, because yeah. if you preferred those versions, now he's sort of sandwiched in new special effects and basically made it where he's pulling all these connections to the prequel movies that are tonally very different. Yeah, and so it's just a weird it's just a weird thing historically for cinema for all sorts of reasons. That- and also, yeah, it's a, if you look at it from a um, sorry to, to cut you off there, Andy. Um, it, I agree, and also it's sort of sad because he's really he's really denying it's a part of history, yeah, exactly, film exactly. history. So it's like, well, it, it is you know, it, it's interesting to be able to go back and see this is how 
effects effects looked back then, but it, you won't be able to do that if he doesn't make them available. And if, if he only says no, 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 this is the version and this is the only version, but that's not the version that came out in 1977 or whenever, you know. So that's kind of sad to, to to me. That's the main thing. So this so there's this nerd on the web. And he's gone in and he's basically taken all the footage he can from the Blu-rays, color corrected them, and then taken footage from, you know, like DVD versions and like 35 millimeter prints and stuff and basically put together the closest you can watch of the HD in, in HD of the original mm. cuts or whatever. And it's uh, it's cool. I dig it. That's cool. It makes me happy. So then if you're not a huge, you're not that huge into Star Wars, so like you don't know the names of all the bounty hunters and Empire Strikes Back that are there. <laughs> Sadly, no. Uh, I know there's Bosk. Yeah, that's what I, uh, I was just going to say. That uh, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, no, huh? <laughs> you just pulled Bosk out on me here. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> an IG-88. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I know that's like a robot-y good-looking guy, isn't it? Yeah, he's the tall, kind of skinny robot. Yeah. See, if you say them, I'll be like, because I'm, I'm like, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to like podcasts and uh one of the podcasts I listen to is called Geek Out Loud. I love it. And he's, he's awesome. Uh, a guy called Steve Glawson from the Deep South. And he's a mega Star Wars fan. So I get all my facts from there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll know references and I've watched the Clone Wars and stuff. Um, but, uh, but I'm not, I, I'm in that sweet spot, as I said, where I, it doesn't, doesn't bother me if stuff changes because I'll just go and watch something else or I'll watch Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good place and, to be. I'm yeah, like, yeah, that. I'm like, I, I totally understand that. And I'm with that on, there's lots of things where you know where people get really upset like for me that's with x-men like i'm i've never been like i like the x-men movies but i'm not huge into the mythology of x-men me too so yeah. when the nerds complain about uh, x-men 3 i watch it and i i go okay i get that this isn't as strong as the other ones but since i don't know that they're destroying the the fucking the phoenix storyline because i don't know the phoenix storyline yeah. it doesn't bother me it's just like oh, it was fun fucking exactly juggernaut pushed wolverine through a wall like that was fun <laughs> um listen yeah. let's listen to another track we've been we've been talking about nerdy things for too long here <laughs> is a wonderful track by the midnight this is a track called days of thunder which is the title of the album <laughs> there's a fucking segue <laughs>
was an escape plan, was an open hand out. It's a dog from hell, it's a dream you sell, it's an epitaph, it's a photograph. And that was Days of Thunder from the album Days of Thunder by The Midnight. And uh, we're still here with The Midnight, Tim and Tyler. And that song has some fucking saxophone going on. Yeah. Who's, who's mm-hmm. playing the sax? Uh, this is my buddy um, from, from Denmark. He, he's an amazing musician. Uh, he's called Thomas Edinger. And uh, he's, uh, he's incredible. 
um, and I just reached. He was in LA recording for a Danish, another Danish act that's actually doing quite well in in the states at the moment called Lewis Lucas Graham, and they were in the same studio complex as me. And I was like, "Hey, bro!" Um, so he was in LA for a couple of days, and we were going to catch up. And I was like, "Do you have time to come in and you know lay some saxophone down on this track I have?" And so he, uh, we spent a couple of hours uh, trying to come up with. I knew I wanted some kind of saxophone lick there, and I didn't know exactly how it went. So we spent spent a good while trying to come up with the right lick and then i just kind of honestly the last part where it kind of goes into this solo part that's just one take like the guy's incredible so i just did a bunch of takes with him and then i just took you know i think i took one of those takes and it was just that that was a solo and it sounded incredible yeah so yeah. he's he's amazing and he will be on the next ep as well Ooh, exciting tease yeah ep or album it might be a full-length album actually Ooh, even more exciting tease mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that's cool. So, uh, Tyler. Yes. You've been sort of quiet through this Star Wars discussion. What's your What's your nerd thing? You got to have something. I grew up watching Star Wars. I like Star Wars a lot. You know, I read half of Heir to the Empire or whatever the book was uh, when I was like twelve. And now it doesn't even count. And now it doesn't even count. <laughs> yeah, it's called Le- Legends or something like that, isn't it? The the the, the that it's called. Like, they changed the term for the expanded universe. It's called something else now. Is it called Legends or is it called... For me, when it comes to certain nerdy things, if it's a movie franchise for me, it's only the movies that really count. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm a huge nerd about something. So, for instance, like, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Right. And um, to me, it's a television show. And so even though I'm this big fan of it, I never really got into reading the novels or the comics or the books or whatever... Because to me, it's just like, it's the show. Like, that's the only thing that really counts to me or is, you know, quote-unquote canon. Right. And I've always felt the same way about Star Wars as well. Like, even when I watch the cartoons, like my son watches Clone Wars and stuff like that, I watch it and I'm like, okay. But to me, in my head, it's like, but this doesn't really happen because this is th- <sighs> right. these are cartoon characters. Like, these aren't the same. Even though they're the same characters and technically it's like... This is what happened to Anakin when he met Master Plo Thu, or whatever the fuck the characters' names are. <laughs> it's Plo Koob, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's always been a thing with me. So for me, it's like the movies are the only things that, that count. Because my son watches that show, and it disappoints me a bit that he's getting into this program where the only resolution is watching that third movie, because that's where all the characters are going to die. Right, like you know, uh, Dooku and and uh, all the other characters who have stupid names that end with the ooh sound. And I, I remember trying to show my son one of those edits, just to you know, just be like, well, if you, you like these characters, you might as well see what happens to them. But he didn't care for it, which was really interesting because he's like five, huh. and he was discerning enough to to he's just like, ah, this is stupid, and he turned it off. He didn't like when they were uh, having the lightsaber battle in the volcano, right? Because it's a little over the top. That's what he said to me. <laughs> that's, that's intense. That's a big... Uh... Yeah, he turned to me and he's just like, you buying this, Dad? And I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> that's funny. Fuck no, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how uh, much... Uh, yeah. Yo, sorry. T- tell me something. Tell no, me no. I, I have nothing really to add today. I mean, the, the, the Star Wars universe is, is big and I'm not a smart nerd. I'm a, you know, sit at home and listen to podcasts. Uh, nerd. Uh, so, so I, you know, I only got a little into the Star Wars thing, but I loved. You know, I'm, 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 I'm happy that it's, uh, you know, being rebooted and done right. And George Lucas is sad about that. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah, fuck. Well, all. it was a lot of fun. It was a fun movie, man. I saw Deadpool. Was. That was a fun movie. Deadpool was awesome. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. It was a lot of fun. And then I finally got around to watching the latest James Bond movie, which wasn't so fun. Yeah, it was. I had fun when I watched it, and then I, I, I've never, I haven't had the desire to go back and rewatch it like I did with Skyfall and so many others. Yeah, like I'm a big James Bond fan. Me too. And I, I, I like them all. Like I will even watch Moonraker and the, what. Like I just love the mm-hmm. the cheesy cheesiness of them. Yeah. And me too. Uh, I, I don't know why. It's a weird thing. The new. The new ones. It's like, I mean, it's kind of cool when they when they rebooted it with with Daniel Craig that they're trying to actually make them like good movies right. as opposed to how because the other ones aren't like I love James Bond but I don't really necessarily think that they are you know good movies. Like, well, they're, they're they're not serious movies. They're kind of corny. Like, yeah. There's always been this cheese ball element to it, and which is which is awesome. Like I love it. Like James Bond brings a smile to my face. I just love the the cheesy fun aspect to them and i just felt like the last one it's like i felt like they were just trying to make like a movie like a better movie than they sort of ended up making but then it just sort of was kind of slow and long and uh lots of drawn out scenes and not as much action i I felt skyfall was the perfect blend of like making a beautiful movie like the cinematography was awesome right you know mm-hmm. the, the song was great the the but it still had a lot of fun cool action scenes you know yeah and spec- casino royale is a great movie too oh yeah casino royale is good i mean that one actually is sorry to cut you off there because now i'm gonna show you my geek <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no but that one is actually the because i've read all the books um and that one is the closest to the book it's the books aren't really cheesy kind of fun they're actually they actually are very tonally very this, much the same as the movie Casino Royale. Mm. They're romantic, but they're very kind of uh, you know you hate you hear a lot of James Bond's inner thoughts and his thought process, and, and I love that. It's very sort of internal, and I love that. It's so sick. It's very it's quite quite dark, uh, but um, yeah, but yeah, it goes off the rails a little bit in the movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing too. I mean, even there's only a few where I'm like, okay, like I feel. Uh, like Pierce Brosnan got saddled with some bad ones. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I love Goldeneye. Like I've, I've always really liked Goldeneye and I'm, I think tomorrow never dies is all right. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, like the next one was boring and the next one was like the stupidest film ever made, but it's still sometimes fun to watch. Mm-hmm. The world is not enough. Yes. World is not enough is the one. Uh, it's actually got a really fun opening. There was like this boat chase with this chick that's like really over the top but then that's the one that's uh, and then it just gets really boring <laughs> and they wasted they wasted Robert Carlyle because it's fucking Begbie oh. and I was just like I was like oh wicked like Begbie's gonna be a fucking bad guy in a Bond movie and then he just played this super dull villain and that always uh, pisses me off because like when uh, Begbie in Trainspotting is like one of like just one of the awesomest characters and he just uh, it didn't translate well over to Bond. They didn't they didn't do it. But that's why I love the last one, Skyfall. Like they let the like, fucking Javier Bardem like he was a wicked villain. Right. Like they really yeah. let him they right. let him be awesome and like uh, what a fucking that was great. But he still played it with some sort of humor. He had a little bit of warmth in it. Like, mm-hmm. like there was a bit of humor in in the way he played it. And I, I thought that was cool. No, it was definitely uh, it, uh, it was fucking it was good. That was another yeah. thing too about the new one. I wasn't mad on the song. Oh god, no, right. no, I, yeah, did. I, no, I didn't like that the song one. either. Now having seen the film, I think the song is appropriate. Like because before, because I was just like, ah, oh, this is kind of like this long sort of meandering song. Doesn't really have a strong hook or chorus. 
and then the movie kind of felt like that to me as I watched it. So I was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> this is fine. Because maybe had they done a really great big opening, it would have like oversold the the movie, and then when it it would have felt uh, <laughs> like mismatched. Yeah, I hear you. I hear what you mean. I, I think about. Um, uh, it was a bit of a controversy that they didn't use the title of the film in the song, and uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, that would be. A, I was thinking about writing for that. Uh, that would be a difficult title to have a song to write yeah. for. Yeah, Spectre. Yeah, could, yeah, Spectre. How would you do it? I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I think that what bothers me is is sometimes there's these issues where people complain about stuff that they clearly don't maybe have a sense of the history of the franchise or whatever because right. i know that, that was a thing like well they didn't use the name of the song i'm like well they've done that before they've done that i was gonna say that, yeah no one does nobody does it better. yeah exactly <laughs> you know like it's happened so yeah. it's not that to me my only issue was just that it just was lacking the energy or something you know it was just very i don't know but yeah how would yeah. you do specter like how do you sing that word <laughs> and make it uh, make it work <sighs> I don't know. You're the singer here, man. You got to figure it out. <laughs> Come on, man. I want you. I would change it to whatever the title of the song actually is. Okay. What? Uh, yeah. What? I'm trying to think. What rhymes with Spectre? Hector. Sector. Hey, there you go. Mortal Kombat. Sector is not a sexy word to sing. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> and well, neither is Spectre. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying stuff right yeah, now. We're just doing some free association. <laughs> you're just looking at stuff and saying <laughs> I got this picture of Phil Spector as my uh, desktop wallpaper, so I'm just. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, this is this is brilliant now, right? The, the the wheels are turning. Keep saying words, guys. I'm coming up with titles for the next. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what we're gonna do now, man. Speaking of cool things, this song, "Kick Drums and Red Wine." Which, uh, I love just those words. <laughs> I love this chorus, but I love this idea. So I guess this is one of your like notes in your book. It was. Yeah, it was. And uh, I like it. It's, uh, it makes me happy to listen to. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to listen to this one right now, and then we'll, uh, we'll be back with The Midnight. This is Kick Drums and Red Wine.
People fighting with devotion Some with gold and some with bourbon Some like praying to the blue skies Some like putting on a disguise But I prefer kick drums and red wine 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 Kick drums and red wine. I prefer kick drums and red wine. I prefer kick drums and red wine. That was Kick Drums and Red Wine by The Midnight. And uh, they're still here, man. So talk to me about that song, Tyler, the singer of The Midnight. I'm the wrong one to talk to about this one. We we started with a a song, Disco Ball, uh, which I don't think we released. and, And it wasn't quite right. And Tim just kept fiddling with it until, uh, it became a much more musical track. And, um, yeah, that's that's 
how that song came about. No, I think we did. Um, oh, you're right. Lay it on. Yeah, yeah, it was kick, another song. You're right. Disco ball was the same day where we recorded the vocals for uh, the years somewhere That's in right. Burbank. You're totally right. And uh, the kick drums and red wine was originally you had like a tagline called some like. What was it like? Give it, lay it on me, lay it, lay on, it me. on me. Yeah, yeah. It's like a yeah. kind of a blues song. Yeah, and and that was kind of this. I think it might have been the same day or maybe the same week as we did. We move forward, so it started out being completely different. And then maybe two years down the line, I had sort of done Gloria. We had finished. The, we move forward, and then that song has been through uh, about five or six renditions <laughs> of, of versions and different chord progressions, different synths. Uh, drum sounds but it's one of the ones I'm the most satisfied with in terms of like the, what I'll put on if I'm like you know because I sometimes put on my own tracks not because I'm like digging myself but because it's like a, it's fun to kind of go back and go oh okay why did I make that choice and oh I like oh that was a nice synth I should use that again and you sort of at, like overanalyze your own stuff mm-hmm. but it's helpful sometimes um, but that's the one I, I I'm most happy about I think in terms of the the vibe and what I like and stuff, but that was hard to get to. That's really that's kind of a tough one to crack, actually. Even though maybe it doesn't sound that way. So, how does it work then when you're making all those sort of decisions? Like, how does final say you both just sort of like vote on it? Say like <laughs> this is this is the one, or we both have our our realms of expertise, and and generally yeah. when it's a production uh, question, I, I Tim Tim has the edge, uh, and hopefully when it's a, a, a lyric question, sometimes Tim gives me. Uh, some some hell about lyrics, and I just have to step back and say no. This is yeah. <laughs> he smacks me over the head as I, I, I hit him. That's how we settle it. So I guess now now that you guys are, are living in different cities, it must make that process a lot more difficult. Oh yeah, you can get into way less fights. Yeah, <laughs> I'm less scared of Tyler now. <laughs> Honestly, it's actually one of the most one of the easiest work relationships ever for me anyway, because it, it it's it really like he says it's like. We have different areas of expertise, but I never feel like I can't talk to Tyler about, oh, can we change this line or maybe, and, and then he might be like, you know what, I think it's, I know what you're trying to do, but I don't think it's going to work because I think it's important to stay with these lyrics and the tone of it. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I, we trust each other. And, and when it comes to this sound, it's so, so out of Tyler's sort of what he comes from and what he listens to and what he sort of style-wise is into so it, I think I feel like he trusts me, and and uh, and I like working in that way where I can I get the freedom to really just try all kinds of stuff, and I will always know if something is right. That's why it takes a long time for me to to really kind of get there. But I feel like once I get there, I'm 100 percent sure of all the choices I've made, and that then I know it's the best it could be. So uh, and I think Tyler works the same way in terms of he if something's right, he knows it, and he's not going to just you know, bowl over just because some Danish guy tells him to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, listen, you happy about it? Do we cover everything? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. good. Going into this interview, we covered all the Star Wars that uh, that you thought was going to be covered. (laughs) All the Star Wars and James Bond. We didn't talk about Deadpool enough. No, I'm just making shitty jokes. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> actually, I really liked Spectre. I was actually really on board with it. It reminded me of like I the old fun. Sh- shitty 70s, uh, but but anyway. It's just a little bit more campy, but I had fun. I mean, I- I'll watch it again because I'm a big fan of Bond. Like, I will end up seeing it again. I mean, look, if I've seen Moonraker more than once, I'm going to see Spectre again. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, if James Bond's whole purpose was to keep that girl safe, 
-hmm. Why would he then go with her to the middle of the desert to the bad guy's base with no plan? Why did he do that? Like, I, for sure. Well, there's many of those questions. If, if it's silly, it's, it's he just went there silliness. with no fucking plan. Like, just, he shows up. Like, what are you doing here? I'm going to kill you. No, you're not. And he's strapped into a torture chair. <laughs> fucking, like, it True. Just, and if if Blofeld's plan end game was to kill him. Well, he's had so many more chances, and why? Like he says, "Oh yeah, I'm the designer of all your pain, or whatever." But that's not true because if you go back to Casino Royale and you've got the Sheaf, mm -hmm. he didn't get to James Bond and kidnap him and torture him because of Lofeld. He wanted his money. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he James Bond had his money, and he was desperate. He was going to get killed. As much as I love when the villains have those elaborate plans, and it is funny. I feel mm -hmm. like the fact that Blofeld had more than one is stretching it because, okay, he yeah. did he did the, the chair thing and then he gets away. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, look, Bond just fucking blew up your base. He got away. You know, you just got to kill this guy. And then he literally gives him another one of those, like, timed explosion traps and leaves. <laughs> and I'm like, I just didn't buy that he would do it again. Like, literally just keep giving Bond the opportunity to leave. I think the issue is when you try and make the movies... Like, when you're trying to raise the bar of, like, the caliber of the type of film it is, mm -hmm. it makes those cheesy elements harder to digest. <laughs> Whereas when the movie is already cheesy, then it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I expect you to die. And then, like, True. you know, James Bond's tied to a chair with, like, a laser beam, and it's silly because the movie itself is also kind of silly. Yeah. But as soon as you're saying the movie's good and the villain's plan starts to be, like, really bonkers, then it, you know. It's like the scene in Skyfall when, you know, the bad guys, they're in this subway system and he has this perfectly timed explosion mm -hmm. that allows, sure. like, just at the right moment for a train to come flying through the wall. And it's just like, that was very convenient that they ended up <laughs> at exactly that point for that trap to work. But it's still a cool scene, so. It's a cool scene. And, and I think also because they've made else, everything else feel very believable to a certain extent. So you, when that comes around, you kind of you give it a pass because you're like, you're into it. Anyway, I was, but... uh well, I should say, I should, I should point out, I didn't hate the film. It's just, it was, uh, it made me, it was, it was a weird feeling. I like, I didn't know how I felt about it when it was over. Mm. Like, I, I sort of sat there thinking, like, just like, okay, all right, all right. And I just did that for a few hours, just sat there going, all right, all right. And people were walking in like, what the fuck's his problem? <laughs> he's, he's on that throat coat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just there just pouring it all over my hair. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I went insane, apparently. Anyways, listen, guys, we've had a lot of fun today, right? I don't know. I just tell people sure. that they've had fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've had fun. No, this is this has been great. Anyways, guys, listen. Uh, I hope you have a have a lovely day. I look forward to uh, upcoming stuff. Yeah, for sure, dude. Thanks for having us on. This was fun. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, so you guys uh, have another thing and then come back and we'll we'll talk about that too. We would love to. You know, with the. The amount of time it takes you guys to, to put out some stuff. Maybe we'll have another James Bond film to talk about. You know what? We probably will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that one's on me. And okay. congrats with the, the 50th episode. That's a big deal. Yeah, I made 50 things. Oh, I've, never made, cool. I've never made 50 things of anything before. That's, that's, first, first. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Congrats. Thanks, man. Do you guys want to do like a sign out where you're like, uh, this is... Uh, Tim from the Midnight saying we should do a, this is Tim and I'm Tyler and we're the Midnight. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. I've never done that. Here, I, I got it. Cool. I'm Tyler and I am Tim and we're the Midnight. 
<laughs> what, what are we saying though? What are, are we saying? Thanks for listening. Are we going? This was like, what are we? Listen, check out our new stuff. Blah, 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 blah. What's the? <laughs> why do I've never done this. Well, let's just say you just did. Oh shit! <laughs> the most awkward goodbye ever. <laughs> And that was my conversation with The Midnight. And that's the end of the show. I hope you guys had a fun time. Uh, I hope you enjoyed yourselves this week. And tune in to the show next week, man. Lots of fun stuff planned. I'm actually really... You know what? I'm super stoked about this season. I think this is going to be like the best season of Beyond Synth. It's already pretty fun. And I've already had a lot of cool people on. And I know for a fact that I've got... The next few weeks are all, you know, like fun guests and entertaining shows with great music. So I'm I'm happy about it, dudes. And dudettes. (laughs) So uh, thanks for listening. And I will catch you guys next week. I'm still looking for a catchphrase, so if you have one, please send one in. This isn't like a comedy bang-bang situation where it's going to be different every week. If someone sends me a good catchphrase, I'll just use it because I don't care. Uh, I'm lazy, as I mentioned before. Somebody did send me a catchphrase, and this was from Andy Mania, and he says, Until next week, take it easy, and if you can't take it easy, take it hard. I don't care for it, but I will... (laughs) I'll say it this week because he did send it in, so... Andy Mania... This closing catchphrase is for you. Until next week, take it easy. And if you can't take it easy, take it hard. My name's Andy Last, and you've been listening to Beyond Synth. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over.